This is Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi, sponsored by St. Francis Hospital, Ratchford Eye Center, Hartford Healthcare, MD Advantage, and UConn Health Orthopedic and Sports Medicine. Healthy Rounds provides general information regarding medical conditions and diseases. The information is not intended to create a doctor-patient relationship. You are encouraged to consult your own medical provider for advice that applies to your own medical care. And now, Dr. Anthony Alessi on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com. Welcome to Healthy Rounds, the show that provides you with up-to-date medical information, and we answer all of your health questions. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and it's great to be back with you after a two-week break uh, from the program, and I'll bring you a little bit up to speed. It's been uh, interesting uh, two weeks since we last did this broadcast. Uh, in the sense that I was hopeful at the time that we will have made progress as a nation in response to this COVID-19 pandemic. But as you all know, that has not been the case. The current statistics here in Connecticut, 4,396 of our citizens are deceased from this, and we have 47,000 positive cases. In the United States, We now have over 140,000 dead Americans and over 3.6 million people testing positive for this deadly virus. So not only have we not made headway in the two weeks, but we've backslid. And fortunately, that's not been the case here in Connecticut. And we're going to talk about some examples as to how Connecticut citizens have benefited by doing the right thing. Now, it's not time to stick our chest out and sit back on our laurels and saying, hey, we're better than everybody else. Because believe me, this could turn ugly at a moment's notice. And we need to be even more vigilant now. It's like being the front runner. You do not want to blow that lead. So uh, in the course of the past two weeks, I've made some changes. Um, Previously, Um, For the last 12 years, actually, I've been a regular guest on a program with my good friend Lee Elsie uh, in New London on another channel. And when we started out, it was a discussion of sports and medicine and health. And increasingly, more recently, it's become a political discussion. And the discussion there has a very heavy bias towards... um, the pro-Trump people, I wouldn't even say Republican, okay? Uh, These are uh, adamantly pro-Trump people who, in many cases, deny science. And the feedback from a lot of the listeners was not what it is on this program. On this program, when we disagree with each other, we send an email, there's references, it leads to a healthy discussion in general. And, And the discussion there was, was just not healthy. So I've decided to stop appearing on that program. Now, some people might say, well, you know, you you backed away from a fight. I I don't need to fight about this. Uh, What we talk about on our program here is science. It's based on science, not based on politics. I have always said that when you mix politics and science, you've got trouble. And that has to be the case. So I've decided to really refocus on making this show so much better uh, in lieu of all this controversy with an upcoming election uh, facing us. 
Now, uh, one of the things, and my guest today is going to be Dr. James Carden on the program. Dr. Carden is a cardiologist, but he's the chief integration officer for Hartford Healthcare. One of the hot topics now is testing, right? We've seen these long lines in Florida, Texas, Arizona, people waiting eight or nine hours to get tested. That's not the case here in Connecticut. Now, it could be because of decreased demand, but a lot of it has to do with developing testing that could be done more rapidly. And this is all work to our advantage. Uh, in these past two weeks, I have been working closely with Hartford Healthcare, the folks at uh, Mohegan Sun and Bellator, MMA, and Showtime. So here's what's going on. Because Connecticut is a relatively safe state regarding COVID, these mixed martial arts and boxing shows have to have somewhere to come. Previously, they wanted to be in California. They're owned by Viacom CBS, wanted to be there. But that doesn't work in California. Las Vegas, numbers are rising. So they've decided to come to Connecticut. And what they're going to be is uh, taking up a residence at the Mohegan Sun Casino. So we've heard the term residence when it comes to uh, I guess Celine Dion or Britney Spears, right? They come to Caesar's Palace or Hard Rock and they take up residence and do shows every night. Well, we just have a little bit of a different variation. Instead of Celine Dion, uh, we have a couple of guys getting in a cage to beat each other up. But nevertheless, the point here is that this is meant the estimates are over a million dollars in room rentals just for all the staff that have to come here. So they've created a bubble, and we're going to talk to Dr. Cardin about that and what Hartford HealthCare has done to really help put this bubble together. So there's a bubble in which fighters are tested, all personnel are tested as soon as they get off a plane and come here. They're quarantined until the results of their test, and then they go to work. So they have taken up residence at Mohegan Sun. What does that mean to me and you? It means that Connecticut citizens are going back to work at Mohegan Sun because somebody's got to clean those rooms. Somebody's got to cook the food. So there are a lot of people going back to work. So we are enjoying the fruits of our hard labor. What is that hard labor? Wearing a mask. And we're going to spend more time about this because I don't think we could explain it enough. I'm still hearing people say, it's my right to not wear a mask, to not protect myself. Well, that's not it, okay? You wear a mask to protect the people around you. And we can't emphasize that enough because we know it works. Another example of the feedback I got, I, I guess, from Lee's show was a, an elected official, a Republican elected official, actually sent me an email to say that he was taking the argument that masks were not effective. And his argument was that they did a study that in hospitals, cloth masks were not as effective as surgical masks. Well, guess what, folks? You don't have to be a Phi Beta Kappa to know that, okay? When your surgeon, when your heart surgeon looks over to you, okay, with a smiley mask on made by his mother, okay, you've got a problem. We know that. But let's not forget, the United States could not provide enough PPE for everybody. 
So American men and women had to go to their sewing machines and start making masks to protect their loved ones. That's how we got in this mess. But masks are still the most effective way. And it's important for us to all know that. With that, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit about some of the things that have changed. There's been uh, a rediscussion of uh, hydroxychloroquine. We are hearing a lot about a vaccine being developed. And we've checked in. I checked in last week with my good friend and a friend of our program, Father Rick Frischette, who is in Haiti, a Connecticut priest working in Haiti since 1987. The phone number is here, 860-522-9842, 1-800-966-9842. And for many of you, you can get in touch with me during the week at info at alessimd.com. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. Okay, there we go. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi. And in these, uh, this part of the show, we will take calls um, before going to our guest in the second half of the show, which will be Dr. James Carden. Um, so let's talk about some of the things that are being thrown out there and try to get things clarified uh, for our listeners. And that's, that's the important part of what we do. So there are people out there saying, of course, we have more cases. We're testing more. Well, that stands to reason. But here's the problem. The percentage of positive cases. So whether you test 10 cases or 100 cases or a million cases, there's a percentage of those cases that are positive. There's a percentage of those cases that require hospital admission. There's a percentage of those cases that require ICU admission. And there's a percentage of those cases that die. Folks. Those numbers are going up. Those percentages are going up. That's the fear. Not the number. But the number also tells us that we vastly underestimated the extent of this virus. And that's why we have to really respect this virus as a formidable enemy. The virus dictates what we do. The virus dictates if our children go back to school or not. Because if there's an outbreak, you're going to close. So right now, as I've said many times before, we're playing defense. The virus is on offense. And what's scary about this to me is summer is the quiet time for viruses. Many viruses don't go up in the summer because more people are outside. The weather's warmer. So with those factors, we don't see as much flu and other viruses it's the fall when they really start to crank so if we're in this much trouble now we're going to be in a lot more trouble when it comes to the fall so what are we doing about it well the first thing is as i've said many times we need to believe in science we need to look at the science and who do we look to in the science we look to scientists people who have established themselves in these fields. I have said from the first program, 22 programs ago, that when you look on your TV 
and you're looking at this task force, there's only one person you can believe, and that is Dr. Anthony Fauci. And the reason I know that is, among physicians, we call him doctor. Okay? That's how much respect we have for the work this man has done in HIV, Ebola. I mean, he's 79 years old. He has been doing this a long time. And he's not a politician. That's the guy to believe. There are other reputable people. Our own local offspring, Dr. Peter Hotez, who, again, you see on TV, not a politician. He took time to appear on this program. He's from Hartford, so he knows us. Again, he is a virologist. And when I see those people becoming hopeless, I'm worried because those are the people we need to look to. So you're going to see people out there who deny climate change, right? They deny vaccines work, which, by the way, are among has to be the greatest innovation in modern medicine is a vaccine. And there are people out there still saying masks don't work. The perfect analogy to use is two people are in a room. One's wearing a mask, one's not wearing a mask. The person not wearing the mask sneezes, they splatter, right? They aerosolize, droplets spread, and they hit the person who's wearing the mask. They can potentially become infected, the person wearing the mask. The person wearing a mask sneezes, where's their splatter going? Not across the room. So you wear a mask to protect others. So if you think I'm being brave, I'm going to be a rebel and not wear a mask, you're being a fool. Okay, And that's, that's all we could say about it. Hydroxychloroquine keeps rearing its ugly head in this thing. Um, so Henry Ford Hospital comes out with a study saying hydroxychloroquine works. But when you look at the study, they didn't randomize the patients who got hydroxychloroquine. As many listeners to this show know, randomization means patient enters a study and they either get hydroxychloroquine or not hydroxychloroquine, and then you compare the results. Instead, everybody got hydroxychloroquine. With the hydroxychloroquine, they got steroids. Well, what we have learned is steroids work. So... The study by Henry Ford Hospital was not published in a major journal, whereas a randomized study done in the New England Journal of Medicine showed that hydroxychloroquine did not work. Now, whether it works in conjunction with other things, I don't know. But we need to spend our time working with the things that do work and try to figure those out. Now, if you want some perspective on this whole thing, I spoke with Father Rick Frechette this week. Father Rick Frechette, as I've explained, is a Catholic priest. He's a, a Passionist Order priest and a physician in Haiti. And he runs the St. Damien Hospital and St. Luke Hospital there, of which I have the honor of volunteering at least twice a year. But here's our problem. There are no volunteers who can go to Haiti right now. There are no flights going in and out of Haiti. So he's alone with Haitian physicians. Many of those Haitian physicians have contracted COVID-19. So he's essentially a one-man physician show for a hospital. So he has no help. He has now treated approximately 900 patients with COVID, either outpatient or inpatient. 150 of those 
have been inpatients, and half of those are deceased. And of those patients who are deceased, many had other factors, obesity, diabetes. So what's he using to treat this? Well, azithromycin is an antibiotic that has anti-inflammatory properties. So he's been giving people doses of azithromycin and Tylenol. He also gives them a mask and a packet of chlorine to help purify the water in their home, not the drink, but to wash their hands and kill this. So you need to get back to things you know that work. What's interesting also is that the Haitian people are wearing the mask. They understand it. I mean, they may be poor, but they're not foolish. So they're wearing masks. We know that by using it and, and social distancing as much as you can. Now, some people have said, well, in these other countries like Taiwan, they don't social distance because they live in close proximity. Well, social distancing is just one of the tools. If you can't do that, you wear a mask, you wash your hands, okay, and you're mindful of being around people who may have the virus. We're hearing about vaccines. Well, there's promising information. A study published this week in the New England Journal of Medicine talks about it. So Moderna and Oxford have potential vaccines that will come on the market, but we don't know when. Now, they hype these things up. They hype them up. We're ready. We're doing this. We're doing that. The article in the New England Journal, fortunately, looked at the, some of the data. It's the first data we've received. Because don't forget, these are publicly held companies. So they want to pump up what they're doing as much as they can. So with that, vaccines, sometime next year. We're going to have to get through a school year. And I want to have a show soon where we look at school, because that's the question here on so many parents' minds is, do I send my child to school or not? We're going to take a short break now, and then we're going to be back uh, in this second half hour with my guest, Dr. James Carden, who is Executive Vice President and Chief Integration Officer uh, for Hartford HealthCare. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and it gives me great pleasure uh, in this segment of the program to introduce our guest, Dr. James Carden, is Executive Vice President and Chief Clinical Integration Officer for Hartford HealthCare. He's also the CEO of Integrated Care Partners, which is part of Hartford HealthCare. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tony. Glad to be here. Um, a couple of things. You and I have become involved uh, in a project, let's put it that way. And I talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the program where uh, in conjunction with Mohegan Sun and Bellator uh, MMA, uh, they are going to bring fighters and uh, boxers here. And a big part of that has been testing. And I want to talk to you really a little bit about testing. Can you explain to our listeners how this has evolved? I mean, we're hearing about people in Florida, people in Texas being lined up for eight, nine hours waiting for testing. And yet 
we're able to get testing pretty readily here in Connecticut. Can you talk a little bit about that situation? Sure. Uh, and let, let's level set about, uh, to begin with, what kind of testing we're talking about. There's two kinds of tests that uh, uh, people are referring to at times. There's the one, which is uh, testing for the virus that's actually um, uh, contained in your nasopharynx, your nose and, and upper airway. And this is the virus that uh, you can communicate to others and causes you to get sick. So it's a sign of active uh, infection uh, or presence of the virus. The second is antibody testing. And, not, and, and to make sure we keep them clear, when we're testing antibodies, we're seeing had you been exposed to the virus and did you develop an immune response to it? So I'm going to contain most of our talking here to around the viral testing which is really the critical work we're involved in now in order to both detect the virus in people who are sick and to try and monitor those that are asymptomatic if they could be people who are carrying the virus and spread it to others. So uh, back as you uh, uh, remember, and you're, you're, you're right on, Tony, back in March when uh, we were starting to deal with the virus, we had real uh, uh, challenges uh, uh, being able to test the people who uh, we wanted to, and this was uh, ideally when people were getting sick, uh, we, we were really challenged. And the limiting step then was the ability to get the test kits. These are the, these are the swabs and the material that you need to do to actually acquire the specimens. So these specimen kits were in very short supply. Uh, and a good deal of our initial response was to make sure we had the, the appropriate number of those tests to really meet the critical needs. Those who are ill in our hospitals and those at most risk to develop severe complications of the, the virus. So over age 60, immune compromised, uh, multiple chronic conditions kind of situation. We've been able to pivot that. And what, what for us at Hartford Healthcare allowed us to do uh, is gradually, uh, greatly expand the amount of testing we're able to do. And that was through a partnership with Quest, uh, one of the commercial labs. Uh, and with their partnership, uh, we were able to both acquire the specimen kits and their uh, uh, commitment of a good deal of their capacity to test to Hartford Healthcare for us to accomplish the goals that we were looking for, which was, one, uh, uh, meet those critical needs, but beyond that, identify anybody who had symptoms of COVID-19 that we could determine whether or not they actually were uh, infected with the virus, and to begin to really test uh, even those that were asymptomatic uh, so that we could try to create environments that were as safe as possible and reduce the spread of the virus because we could know who's potentially infectious and who is not. And that combined with a, the social distancing, hand washing, mask wearing, uh, has really uh, been a big part of, of why we've done as well as we have in the state uh, as we go forward. To date, we've done over 120,000 tests through Hartford Healthcare in both communities congregate living areas, our hospitals, uh, uh, et cetera, uh, across the state. And I guess what I'm getting at is now, are you still doing everything in partnership with Quest? Because Quest is, from our earlier discussions, uh, now has to accept samples from other states and, and really try to keep up with the demand in these other states. Um, how do we plan this out for the future? What What's the future going to look? Because it, it looks like we're going to be doing testing for a long time. Yeah, and I agree. And uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, all the national labs have have uh, uh, been, uh, uh, you know, stepping up, asked to redirect their capacity 
to meet those uh, in most need, as you called out, Florida, Texas, in places where there's real outbreaks to try and get ahead of that. Now, uh, the the uh, uh, good news uh, for us uh, is is twofold. Uh, one, uh, the partnership we have with Quest has allowed us to maintain priority status with them, uh, so that it's allowed us to, for those that are where it's uh, clinically important to have a result, they've continued to commit to uh, having uh, what we call turnaround times, the ability to get the sample in and get a result that has allowed us to uh, remain very clinically relevant. So we get those kind of what we call our priority testing is done generally uh, uh, within 48, 72 hours. And, and their performance there has continued to be good when we prioritize the test. Two, uh, we continue to build our internal capacity uh, within Hartford Healthcare uh, to build our ability to test that, uh, you know, specimens in, uh, in, our, in our own labs. Now, uh, it, there's always going to be a limit there. Uh, uh, Quest has much more capacity and continues to build capacity uh, to, uh, to meet the needs. Where we're finding the longer turnaround times is the more routine testing. So uh, the difference, uh, somebody who's going in for a procedure, an operation, we want to make sure we have their test, even if they have no symptoms, in a timely way prior to the procedure so that we know uh, that they are not carrying the virus when they came in. And that becomes a critical need and a priority for us, for example. However, we've got other people uh, uh, that are traveling for vacation to a state to where there's a requirement for a test, for example. Um, uh, those more routine things are not time critical, only insofar as we need to communicate adequately to the community so that they can get their test early enough so that they have a result before they go on their trip or on their vacation, what it is. And when if that's where Quest is being stretched, and we're, we're telling uh, communities that uh, say, I've got a vacation next week, give yourself a good seven to 10 days ahead of that time to get your test, uh, uh, continue all of the appropriate uh, uh, restrictions that you need to do, uh, but that way that test, you'll have plenty of time to get that back. I do know that I, we, we are constant partner, uh, uh, discussions with, uh, with our partner Quest, and they are uh, working diligently to continue to build the capacity to bring those times down as well. Uh, but we've been able to, between our own internal lab uh, and uh, and the priority status that we've been able to continue to work with, um, uh, uh, maintain a, a, a very reasonably and clinically relevant uh, uh, results on our tests to let people make sure they're as safe as possible as we go through this. Uh, I guess the third group of patients that, that I was concerned with are the people that come into the emergency room. So someone who's been in a car accident needs to get to the OR and there is the Cepheid test, which people talk yeah. about all the time. It's a, a one-hour test. And, and yet that's been in very limited supply. Can you explain why? Sure. Uh, we had those. Uh, uh, there's two parts that limit the supply. Uh, as we talked about for a while, it was the acquisition kits. That's no longer a problem. The second is, do you have a platform to run these tests on? Uh, and with Cepheid, we have plenty of the machines, so to speak, to do that test. Where we are considerably restricted is the, what I'll call, re, what are the reagents, the uh, uh, solutions you need to add to the specimen so that you can run the test. And those solutions are in very short supply. And uh, they come from the manufacturer, from Cepheid. Uh, and uh, although they've been trying to gear up their production of that, uh, given the need and the demands of across the country, those, those, those reagents are, are in very limited supply. 
That is where, and reagents for all the platforms is where we are concerned uh, to ensure that uh, that that will not be a rate limiting step going forward. But right now, that that tends to be a vulnerability we're keeping very close eye on, and is and we're dealing with with the Cepheid. One way we've been able to get around that, Tony, as you and I have talked about, is we do have another platform uh, that we've just brought up. It's it's just a Hilogic Panther platform, uh, and and this allows us to have not quite two-hour kind of turnarounds, but several hours, four hours or so. Uh, and uh, and we've uh, been increasing that capacity, which will continue to relieve the pressure on the uh, Cepheid test that you described. Uh, we're going to take a short break, but Jim, I really want to get back because I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, the rapid test, the people buy the Abbott machine, things like that. So we're going to take a short break uh, for our sponsors. Then we're going to be back with Dr. James Carden, um, who is the Chief Clinical Integration Officer for Hartford HealthCare. We're talking about testing for COVID-19. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. We're chatting with Dr. James Carden. Uh, Jim is the uh, Chief Clinical Integration Officer at Hartford HealthCare. Jim, so one of the things I keep hearing from you and others are we don't have. We don't have the reagents. Uh, at one point, we didn't have the swamps. What's the rate-limiting step in this? Is it because we don't have the raw materials? We don't have – America doesn't have the – I mean, we're the richest country in the world. Why are we coming up short and people are waiting online and waiting inordinately? Is, it, is there something I'm missing here? No, I think, uh, and and I think a lot of it is the uh, the supply chain, Tony. In a, in a way, the the ability to produce and gear up to produce the reagents to run these tests uh, is just uh, is is having trouble uh, keeping up with demand. Many of these reagents have multiple uses. So, uh, also recall that you have to do the routine testing we always used to do for bacterial infections and sure. other viral infections, all of which have the same. Uh, demand on these uh, on these same you know uh, 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 materials. So uh, I think they're they're trying to get ahead of it. Uh, I think like uh, like a lot of things, uh, we've just uh, struggled playing defense for a lot of this as we've gone through. We've made progress. Uh, there still continues to be a great deal of focus, but there's more work to do. I think uh, I share your frustration um, on this because we're all frustrated as physicians when we can't get immediate results, but yet. There are people out there with the Abbott test, right? We saw the box. The president showed us a box of the Abbott test. Uh, but to my knowledge, it's been an unreliable test. Um, what What is the Abbott test? And how to, I mean, that's the one where you just take your swab, stick it in, and it tells you yes or no, correct? Yeah, it's it's uh, there's there's various different types of tests going on, and and a lot of people looking uh, for what uh, everybody would like to see, which is the uh, a very sensitive, which means you can detect the virus at a at a very reasonable level, uh, that doesn't give you uh, a false uh, positive or negative result, so it's reliable is the way to think about it. That's very easy to use, and this this uh, uh, aspiration to be able to have an at home. Uh, you know, pregnancy-like test almost uh, that that really could uh, dramatically uh, uh, save uh, a, a lot of uh, of issues uh, and uh, and uh, potentially be cheaper than what's uh, than what's happening now. So it becomes more affordable. The, the challenges you're getting to it is right is is trying to ensure that they are reliable. And there's been various 
uh, uh, concerns around the uh, the ability to detect this virus. And if you don't do that properly, you end up with, uh, with issues. Everybody always thinks the test is either positive or negative. It's, it really is not that simple. Um, uh, we know that all tests have the potential to miss uh, a, a, a viral infection. And my guess is, is that if we were to uh, ask the listeners, uh, they know somebody whose initial test was negative, subsequently positive, and, and, and we know that's a risk. The key is, is to get it to as best performance as you can and make sure we don't compromise that. And that's where this is all needs to be continued to work out is how reliable are some of these more rapid tests. Uh, Jim, if you could walk three people through how you get the test done, how the mechanism, because a lot of people are a little bit scared off. I mean, people have said it's it's kind of like tickling your brain when you stick that swab way up for the nasal pharyngeal uh, swab. But uh, at Hartford, you're doing it a little bit differently, So, uh, and it's, it's much more benign. So can you talk a little bit about that for listeners? Yes, uh, happy to do that. Um, uh, and a couple of, of, of key things that are, are good to remind everybody. One, uh, every test does need a, a licensed clinician to order it, but we've made that very easy. You can go to any of our drive-through sites, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and they're on the, on the web view to find. And just drive up, even if you don't have a pre, uh, you know, a visit scheduled, and, and we can uh, both register you and, and create that order. The swabbing is actually very simple. It used to be, as you said, uh, this nasopharyngeal, which was a deep uh, uh, nasal swab. Right now, we can swab, uh, and you can self-swab the front of your nose. Uh, we generally give people the swab, instruct them how to do it. Uh, they swab their own nose, put it in a uh, uh, the specimen container put it in the bag and, and give it to us and they're on their way. We can get people through in, in, in just a few minutes uh, and, uh, and make that all very seamless. We encourage people to go. Uh, we, the the uh, uh, point of our testing is to try and keep an eye on what's going on in our communities and our environments so that we can get ahead of this uh, if we start to see a recurrence. Thankfully, we're seeing very low prevalence right now and that's reassuring, but we've got uh, we've got to stay on it. So much more simple than it used to be with the nasopharyngeal swabbing. Uh, when we look at that, is it more reliable, less reliable, or are they pretty equal in reliability in terms of how you obtain the sample? Yeah, those two have been validated to be uh, uh, equivalent. So nasopharyngeal and the nasal swabs are equivalent. People are looking at other ways of acquiring a sample, including uh, you know, uh, um, saliva. Uh, and uh, those tests are being ver uh, you know, validated now, obviously an even easier way to get a sample. Uh, but uh, at least uh, right now, uh, we have not validated that that's reliable enough to go down that path at the moment. Jim, what do you think the future is for testing? I mean, are we going to have a pregnancy-like test? Because and it, uh, we've been working with the combat sports group. Um, they actually thought they were like kits. You buy a kit like a pregnancy test, and, yeah. and then you test it. So... Um, as as you've explained, it's not that simple, but will it eventually be, are we moving towards getting it to be that simple where we'll be able to test ourselves, uh, document and trace a positive result? My guess is we'll get there, Tony. The big question is, is when, uh, for right now, we've, we've, we've built, uh, a, a, a competency to try and make sure uh, they're not working. We're not going to depend on that as we prepare for, what inevitably may be a more complicated uh, season as we get into fall and winter when flu is also in the environment. We're going to need to sort people out pretty clearly. 
uh, between do I have the flu or do I have, uh, you know, uh, uh, the coronavirus. So, um, uh, you know, we're still going to be uh, uh, ensuring that with current technology available, with good reliability, we'll be able to meet that need. And that is all the planning work we're doing right now. I'm glad you brought that up. So in the fall, if we think someone could have the flu, could have COVID, can you run the same specimen for both tests? Uh, we'll have to check for both. Yes, that's exactly right. So you can, and, but you uh, only have to be swabbed once. It's, I believe. Uh, yeah. At least okay. As it stands now. The idea is one swab should get us. Uh, okay. I'm always, I'm always ready to be corrected if we end up with. Uh, different ways of testing that could streamline some of that that may change it. But the swabbing has become less of an issue these days. It's just not, it's not very intrusive to wipe the inside of the nose. Uh, Jim, I want to thank you uh, for spending your time uh, with us today. And actually, I really want to thank you for putting together such a great team to get this project going uh, at Mohegan Sun. Uh, it's a, a real boost to uh, everybody here in Connecticut and I want to thank you for all the work you and your staff are doing to keep us safe from COVID-19. This is a very important part and a very important role in being able to test our citizens who do not have to wait eight or nine hours in line to be tested. Thanks, Jim. Uh, you betcha, Tony. My pleasure. It's a great team. All right. Thank you very much. That was Dr. Jim Cardin, uh, Chief of Clinical Integration um, at Hartford HealthCare and uh, He's the CEO of Integrated Care Partners. And again, as he mentioned, if you think you are having symptoms, um, please go get tested. Don't hold back. It's not painful. I watched them doing the test yesterday uh, with a group, and uh, it is very simple to do. Get the results. Get the peace of mind you need. It's also important for us to know here in Connecticut who has the virus, how we have to track it, and really know where we are. It's an important part of this battle. With that, uh, in addition, I want to thank Mike Oko, who's been on the board once again for us at uh, WTIC, and Jeff Chandler, who's in charge of sales and marketing for Healthy Rounds. Uh, next week, we're going to be back with another live show. Uh, I want to get into talking a little bit more about education and trying to help patients and parents out about when do I send my children back to school? What's the setting going to be like? As always, Healthy Rounds is available as a podcast. If you just go to Healthy Rounds Podcast, you can get it on any of the major podcast carriers, uh, including iTunes and uh, Radio.com. Next up on WTIC is going to be Garden Talk with Lem. Until next week, this is Dr. Anthony Alessi. Please stay healthy. This has been Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi. Sponsored by St. Francis Hospital, Ratchford Eye Center, Hartford Healthcare, MD Advantage, and UConn Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Be sure to tune in next Saturday morning at 11 for more Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com.